0: Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Once upon a time, two old men lived in a small village by the riverside. One day... After working at the farm, they decided to get in the canoe and cross the river to the big town and take some time to relax. There is a drinking spot in the big town across the river and they decided to go there and meet some friends. So the two old men got in the canoe, they rode across the river, tied the canoe to a mango tree on the shore and went to the drinking spot. Well, their friends came and they drank and laughed and talked and said, And after many, many hours had passed, the two old men were thoroughly drunk. By now, it was very late at night, and it was very dark. There was no moon that night and no stars, and the two old men stumbled down to their canoe. One got in front, one got in the back, and they set out to row across the river and go home. But after rowing for about one hour, they started to grow worried. Normally, the journey took only about 20 minutes to cross the river. But even though they were paddling hard, they still had not reached the other side of the river. The old man in back started complaining. You are not rowing hard enough, he shouted to the one in the front. The one in front got angry and said to the old man in back, No, it's your fault. You must not even be rowing at all. And so they went on for another hour. Still, they didn't reach their village. By now, they started crying, What has happened to us? Our river has become a mighty ocean! And on and on they went all night long. Finally, when the sun had just begun to crack the corner of the earth and a dim light appeared in the sky, the two old men looked around and saw that they were still in the town where they had gone to drink. Amazed, they started shouting, "Yay! We've been rowing all night and we are still in the place we started. Just then, a small boy who had gone to the river to wash his clothes happened by. He heard the old men shouting and ran over to see for himself. But when the little boy got close, he started laughing. (laughs) He was laughing so hard that two old men stopped shouting and they said to him, What are you laughing about? But the boy was laughing so hard he couldn't talk. He could only point to the back of the canoe. And when the two old men turned to see, they saw that the rope was still tied to the mango tree. They had never cut the rope. No matter how hard they rode, no matter how hard they tried, they could never make progress because their canoe was still tied to the tree. And many people in the church are like those two old men. You've entered the Christian life. You're making every effort to make progress in your faith. But there's one critical thing you've forgotten to do you failed to cut the rope that is tying you to your old life of sin. As long as you remain tied to the world, you will never succeed in the Christian life. As long as you remain connected to the stronghold of sin, you will never reach your destiny. Are you still tied to sin? Are you still connected to your old lifestyle? Friends, it's time to cut the rope. It's time to cut the rope from the stronghold of sin and be set free to sail for Jesus Christ. And the good news is Jesus has come to save you from the stronghold of sin. He has the power to overcome the power of every sin in your life and to loose you from the stronghold of sin that holds you in bondage. Today we're going to discover how to overcome one of the most powerful sins of all. The sin A pride. But before we learn more, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We submit ourselves to you and humble ourselves in your mighty presence. We bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God, the power of the name of Jesus to open our eyes and show us the way of victory to demolish every stronghold binding us in the name of Jesus. Lord help us today to see the truth, uh, to know the truth, uh, to walk in the truth, to obey the truth that our lives might be free in you to achieve our destiny. We thank you and praise you in Jesus name and everybody said amen. I want to invite you to take a moment join your faith with my right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, hello everyone and welcome once again to Truth For Today. I'm glad you're joining me as we continue our sermon series titled Strongholds. For the last few weeks, we've been looking at some of the major strongholds in lives that we all need to demolish. And today, we're tackling another very common stronghold of sin, the sin of a pride. Now to help us learn the truth for today, we've prepared sermon notes. You can find them on my website and all my social media platforms. Go ahead and download the notes, take them out, and follow along with me as we discover the truth about the stronghold of pride. For you see, today we're going to answer the question that the disciples asked thousands of years ago. They asked, who is the greatest? And to begin our study, we're going to read our scripture text found in the Gospel of St. Mark chapter 10 verses 35 to 45. Now receive the word of the Lord. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Does this story sound familiar to you? It may be familiar because you've read this passage in your Bible, or it may be familiar because you've seen it in your own life experience. The names and circumstances may be different, but if we're honest today, we can all relate to this story from personal experience. You see, it's a story that occurs in every nation, in every generation throughout time. The story of men trying to come in first, men trying to get ahead of others. It's a story of men using whatever means they can to come out on top and take first place. Our story begins with two brothers, James and John, coming to Jesus and asking him to make them the top two leaders in his kingdom. Place us ahead of everyone else, they said to Jesus. We want to be number one and number two. But it's not just these two disciples who wanted to be first. When the other ten heard it, they got angry. They too wanted to take first place. And so they began to complain to Jesus. Don't choose them. Pick me. Promote me. I want to be number one. All the disciples clamored. And if not for Jesus, this would surely have become a fist fight. If not for Christ, they would have gone on the radio cursing and insulting one another and using all means available to pull the others down and come in first. And unfortunately, the story of the disciples is a common story in the world today. It's the story of your life and my life because it's a story of pride. But the same message that Jesus gave to James and John is his message for us today. Pride may be common, but we can break the stronghold of pride when we follow Christ's example. So let's begin that journey today by discovering, number one, the facts about pride. See, the problem is many of us don't really understand pride. I think sometimes we make pride too simple. We look at others who walk a certain way. And we say, oh, that's pride. We look at people who dress or drive a certain car and we say, oh that's pride. We think of people who live in a certain community or belong to a certain political party as people who are proud. But pride is much deeper than outward appearance. Pride is an attitude that says, I will take first place when I place myself first. In other words, I will come out on top when I fight and struggle and force my way up. See, that's the essence of pride. Pride says, I am more important than other people. I am the center of my world and everyone else and everything else must bow to me. The error of ego is the lie that if I put myself first, I will succeed in life. Now some of you may be surprised when you hear me say that's a lie. After all, what's wrong with wanting to come in on top? What's wrong with fighting for first place? After all, if I don't look out for myself, who else will look out for me? If I don't struggle for my own rights, someone will cheat me. Someone will push me aside and take my place and deny me my rights. So I better get in there with my elbow flying and make sure I get mine. And this lie may seem normal because the entire world operates on this system. Every fight, every war comes from the root of pride. You need to only look at the roads and highways in the major cities of the world to see this in evidence. When you're driving, you cut off other people. You jump the queue. You push your way forward. Never mind if you step on someone else. We believe we will come in first when we place ourselves first. And Jesus himself knew that this was the system of the whole world. That's why he said in Mark ten forty two, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. So Jesus knows this is how the world operates. But then he tells the disciples, you must not behave like that. You must not believe that lie. Don't go along with the world, Jesus says, for it is not the way of God. The whole world operates on the attitude of me first. But here's the problem. When our getting ahead forces someone else down, then it has become selfishness. And Jesus knows that the result of this pride will be destruction. You see, this is what happened to Satan. Satan was a beautiful archangel named Lucifer. He was the one appointed to carry worship to the throne of Jehovah, mighty God. But pride filled the heart of Lucifer. He exalted himself above God. Listen to the word of God in Isaiah 14, 12 to 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation of the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. We can see pride in Lucifer, and that's what caused him to fall. Pride kept Satan out of heaven, and pride will keep you out of heaven as well. Pride turned the beautiful archangel of worship into the devil himself. So what will pride do to you? And if we're honest today, we must all admit that to some extent, we've all become under the influence of pride. We all have pride in us. I do. You do. So let's identify the four types of pride and see how it is lurking in us so we can remove it from our lives. And the first type of pride is just basic pride. Everybody say pride. This is the attitude that says, I have all the answers. My way is the best way. Pride is actually defined like this contending for supremacy with God. That's why disobedience to God has its root always in pride. The heart of pride is exalting yourself above God. When you don't listen to God, when you don't believe in God, when you elevate your own thinking and your own wisdom above God, you disobey Him and the result is found in Proverbs sixteen eighteen: Pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall. In other words, pride always causes you to stumble. That's the lesson we can learn from the true story of the tragedy that occurred on the Black Sea. On September 1st, 1986, two Russian ships were sailing on the Black Sea off the coast of southern Russia when they collided. Nearly 400 people died in the accident. But the worst thing was that the tragedy could have been avoided. The cause of the collision was not a mechanical failure. There was no fog, block The ship's views. The ship's radar did not fail, and there was no terrorism involved. The ships collided, and nearly 400 people died for one simple reason pride. An investigation led by the Russian government came to the tragic conclusion that both ship captains were aware of the other ship's presence on the sea. Both could have steered clear, but neither captain wanted to give way to the other. Each was too proud to yield, and by the time they realized they would collide, it was too late. Pride leads to a fall. The second type of pride is what we call arrogance. Everybody say arrogance. So first you have pride, then you have arrogance. That is thinking more highly of yourself than you should. Can I just be honest with you today? I don't mean to offend anyone, but almost every one of us thinks more highly of ourselves than we should. So let me help you think correctly about yourself. The Bible says when God created Adam, he made him from the dust of the ground. Everybody say dust. So your body came from dirt. Hello. But not just your body. Everything you own and everything you value came from dirt. Everything you sell and buy or possess in this life has its origin in dirt. Your house. Your house is made of cement blocks. The cement came from sand and gravel. The sand and gravel came from the earth, and the earth is made from dirt. Your furniture came from wood. The wood came from a tree that grew in the ground, and the ground is made of dirt. That short fashionable dress you're wearing came from cotton. Cotton is a plant that grew in the ground, and the ground is made of dirt. That beautiful diamond on your ring, the diamond came from coal. Coal comes from the ground, and the ground is made of dirt. Ladies, I hate to tell you this, but did you know that your makeup is made from dirt? Yeah. Go and read the ingredients on the back of your makeup. It says, made from talc. Talc is a fancy French word for clay. Clay comes from the ground, and the ground is made from... Your makeup also might have an ingredient, zinc oxide. It sounds exotic. I looked up zinc oxide in Wikipedia. Here's what it said. Zinc comes from natural mineral deposits of ore in the earth's crust. The deposits may be close to the surface, in which case they will be mined from an open pit. That's a very fancy way of saying it comes from dirt. Tell your neighbor you're looking very dirty today. Everybody say Dirt. Ladies, if you're wearing makeup, you're wearing painted dirt. Hey. Everything you own came from dirt. So why are you so proud just because your dirt is more valuable than my dirt? It's still dirt. It's perishable. It's going to pass away and decay and rot and be forgotten in the end of time. So don't think so highly of yourself because of how you look and how you dress. For the problem is when your head starts to swell, uh, your mind stops growing. Arrogance prevents you from listening to others. If you get offended when someone corrects you, it's arrogance. If you don't want people to instruct you, it's arrogance. If you've ever said, you can't tell me what to do, it's arrogance. Don't tell me what to do is simple arrogance. You think you know better. And Proverbs ten seventeen says, people who ignore correction will go astray. Arrogance causes stupidity. Then the third type of pride is vanity. Comparing yourself to others. Philippians 2, 3-5 says, Do nothing out of vain conceit. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Today we are consumed with our image. How other people view us. And vanity can be seen in the time and the money we spend on makeup, hair, clothes, jewelry. Now don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with looking nice and smelling nice. Some of you could do better at looking nice and smelling nice. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. Uh, hey, but vanity is when you become consumed in your appearance, when you take your value and your self respect from how you look, when you emphasize your outward appearance more than your character, you are vain. And it's not just ladies today. Some of the most vain people in the world are young men on Facebook. Oh, Young men on Facebook take a selfie, they post it online, they comment on their own picture, and then they like their own comment. Hey, bruh, you're not all that. And excuse me, young man, but what are you doing on Facebook with a picture of yourself in bed, with your shirt off and your boxer shorts showing? Hey, you're looking like this, and you call yourself a Christian? Are you even saved? No young man who follows Jesus Christ should have his own picture on Facebook in bed with his shirt off and his boxer shorts showing looking like this. Maybe you didn't have a father growing up and you don't know how to behave, but you have a father right now and let me tell you, put on your shirt, put on your trouser and get out of bed. Somebody say amen. Amen. See, here's the problem with vanity. If you're worried about your image and what people think of you, then you can easily be manipulated. You will do what everybody wants and they can control you. That's why vanity leads to stress. We get under pressure when we're worried about what people will think of us. How do we compare? Are we dressed right? Are we talking right? Do we know the latest music? Did we do right? But listen, friends, image is who People think you are. Character is who you really are. And God sees your character, not your image. Image is worthless. But character lasts forever. Pride is seen when we contend with God to rule our own lives. Pride is seen in arrogance, when we're arrogant and won't listen to others. Pride is seen in vanity, when we value man's opinion more than God's. And the fourth type of pride is ego. Me First, Proverbs 13, 10 says, Pride leads to conflict. And every conflict in marriage, every conflict in the workplace, every conflict among nations uh, is based out of ego. You want someone else to meet your needs. And whether or not you meet their needs, it's ego, me first. Every conflict in every area of life comes from ego. If you don't get along with your roommates, it can be traced to ego. If you don't get along with your neighbors or your family or your coworkers, it almost always comes back to ego, because ego causes strife. So pride causes stumbling, stupidity, stress, and strife. But worse than that, pride paves the way to destruction. For P, pride. A, arrogance. V, vanity. E, ego. Spells pave. P-A-V-E. And when you're proud, you pave the way to destruction. That's why the sin of pride destroys lives. If you believe the lie that to take first place, I must place myself first, then you ignore God's word and cause pain and disaster in your life. the truth is, there are consequences to pride. That's our second truth today, the consequences of pride. Listen to how Jesus responds to the pride of the disciples in verses 43 and 44. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Hear Jesus well today. He's telling us, you will not get the desired results when you're proud. You will not get what you think you'll get, you'll get the opposite. For pride says I will take first place when I place myself first. But God says the first will be last and the last will be first. And Jesus comes out and gives us the exact opposite of what the world says. He gives us the truth. Instead of fighting for first place, Jesus says we must serve others. Instead of vanity and arrogance, Jesus commands us to be humble. Because the truth is, Jesus knows that pride will destroy you. You'll never get what you're looking for when you have pride in your heart. For the fact is pride brings you in bondage. Pride prevents you from finding freedom in Christ. In South America, there's a very unusual, strange-looking animal called the llama. The llama is related to the camel, and the llama is known for its very long neck. Yet, llamas are valuable because they produce a high quality of wool, and they produce milk for humans to consume. So you would think that the owners of the llamas would try to build a high wall to keep them from escaping. You would think that they would tie a rope around the llama to keep the llama from running away. But there is one simple way you can prevent any llama from running away or escaping. And it's simply by putting a rope around the enclosure. And the rope must be at the bottom of the llama's neck. You see, a lama is so proud, he will never bend his neck to go under the rope. A lama will not bend his neck. He will strut around with his neck up, and when his neck comes to the rope, he refuses to bend his neck and go lower and get free. And how many people today are trapped just like the llama, because we refuse to humble ourselves. We refuse to bow down. We refuse to bend our neck and submit to God. That's why I believe that pride is the greatest hindrance to success in life. For the truth is, God is against you when you're proud. Listen to Proverbs 6. There are six things the Lord hates. There are seven things he cannot stand. Uh, a proud look. God hates pride. God is against adultery, but he hates pride. God is opposed to stealing, but he hates pride. God turns away from us when we murder, but God hates pride. Not only does he hate pride, but the Bible says he detests proud people. Wow. What? Proverbs 16, 5. The Lord detests the proud. God detests the proud. They will surely be punished. Claim the promise of God. You will be punished when you're proud. That's why James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And I'm here to tell you today God will actively fight against you when you're proud. You can claim all the promises of the Bible. You can pray in tongues and prophesy. But God says, I will stand against you. And I, Jehovah, I will fight you. I will oppose you. I will resist you when you're proud. Oh God. But listen to Isaiah 66 too. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit. And who tremble. At my word. Today, God is looking for the one who's humble. He's looking for the one to show favor. And that's why I say, Oh God, Look here. Look at me. I'm in Islegon. I'm in Akragana. I humble myself before you. Without you, I am nothing. I exalt you, Lord. I give you all the glory. I renounce pride. I renounce arrogance. I renounce vanity. I renounce ego. I surrender to you. You are my master. I am your slave. For you see, when we humble ourselves before God, he promises us the richest blessings we could ever ask for. Proverbs 22, 4 says, True humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. If you want riches and honor and long life, humble yourself. For there is an antidote to pride. There is an answer for arrogance. Uh, it's humility. And that brings us to our third truth, the solution for pride. The good news is that there is a solution. There's a way out. It may seem unavoidable because it's so common. But Jesus shows us how we can overcome pride. We can follow his example and humble ourselves by focusing on serving others rather than grabbing for ourselves. That's how the story in Mark 10 ends. Listen to verse 45. Jesus concludes his teaching to the disciples disciples by saying this, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, uh, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Son of God, the Alpha and the Omega. But he did not come demanding his own way. He came in humility to serve you and me. And God is calling us to follow his example of humility. God is calling us to the place uh, where we will say, I will trust in God to place me where he wants me without me promoting myself. I will humble myself before him and acknowledge him as god alone in my life i will yield to jesus and his ways i will serve god i will serve others and die to self that he may be glorified in me for you see the fact is humility is in your own hands humility doesn't come from a seminar humility doesn't come by laying on of hands and anointing with oil Humility is not a gift. Humility comes when we take three practical steps to overcome pride. First of all, decide. I choose to be humble when I humble myself. See, the good news is humility is your choice. The power to overcome pride is in your hands. For 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves. Everybody say it. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. The fact is, pride is actually one of the easiest sins to overcome, because the choice to defeat pride is completely in your hands. Every act of humility breaks the stronghold of pride. You can choose in humility in your life every day. When someone gives you praise or flatters you, you can choose humility by giving God the glory and sharing credit with others. When someone tries to jump the queue and push you aside, you can choose humility by allowing them to go first. When someone gives you advice or correction, you can show humility by listening and learning. When others insult you, Or quarrel with you. You can choose humility by turning the other cheek and responding with love and grace. And every time you choose humility instead of pride, God releases more grace into your life. That grace is the power to overcome pride. That grace is the ability to be humble. So humble yourself and God will raise you. The choice is yours. You can humble yourself or God will humble you. For you see, if you don't humble yourself, God will come and humble you. That's why the Bible says in Daniel 4.37, He is able to humble the proud. And I came with a warning today. If you don't humble yourself, God will find a way to humble you. You can humble yourself today and acknowledge God is God and you are not. You can humble yourself and draw near to the Almighty and receive grace. Or you can resist Him in your pride and oppose Him. But know that if you refuse to humble yourself, God Himself will come and humble you. For the Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that brings us to the second step we must take to overcome the stronghold of pride. Declare. First, decide. I will humble myself. Second, declare. For listen to the words of John the Baptist in John 3.30. When speaking about Jesus, John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. If John the Baptist had been a preacher in our world today, he would never have conducted his ministry like this. He would not have agreed to go to the wilderness. Today every pastor, every prophet is struggling, many of them, to get to the prominent place to promote themselves. If John had been like we are today, he would have said, I will go to Jerusalem in the center of the city. But when God moves, uh, he can take the entire city to the wilderness to come and hear your word. If John were like our pastors today, he would have tried to block Jesus from baptizing. He would have seen Jesus as a competition. He would have preached against him and tried to control him. He would have used the fact that he was older than Jesus. He would have used the fact that he baptized Jesus to prove he was greater. But John did none of those things. He died to himself and exalted the Lord. And Jesus said, there was no prophet greater than him. Sadly, today, too many in the church are exalting themselves. Even in the ministry, we elevate and boast and put other people down as if greatness is in us apart from God. But let me tell you today, plainly, I am nothing without Jesus. I am nothing. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your respect. I thank you for thanking me for the ministry. But let me be very frank. Do not... Put me on a pedestal. Don't you ever exalt me. You and I have the same Holy Spirit. There's only one person worthy of glory. And it's not me. It's not your archbishop. It's Jesus. For without him I'm nothing. I have no good, no power, no anointing in and of myself. But Jesus alone is worthy of praise. And our ministry is not about us. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. This reminds me of the story of the donkey who carried Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. On that day when the donkey carried Jesus, the people shouted, Hosanna! Hosanna! They waved palm branches and laid their garments on the road. But the foolish donkey was so proud, arrogant, vain, and had so much ego, he thought the crowd was worshipping him. So the day after carrying Jesus into Jerusalem, he went back to town, expecting the same reception. Wandering into the market, he found some people buying and selling. He said, here I am. It's me, the great one. Bow down. He started braying loudly, but the people ignored him. Oh, throw your garments down, he shouted. Don't you know who I am? But the people barely registered his presence. Someone even gave him a slap on the backside. Hey! Miserable pagans, the donkey shouted. I will go to the temple. They will remember me there. But when he got to the temple, it was the same thing. No one recognized him or paid him any attention. Where are the palm branches? Yesterday you worshipped me, the donkey said. Upset and angry, the little donkey ran home. You foolish child, his mother said. Don't you realize that they weren't worshipping you? They were worshipping jesus without jesus you are nothing but an ordinary donkey And friends, without Jesus, we are nothing. We're empty, unimportant. But with Jesus in us, we reflect the glory of the Lord. So I declare to you today, he is God and we are not. He is the creator and we are the created ones. He is the Lord, we are his people. He is the shepherd, we are the sheep. He is the master, we are the servants. He is the infinite, we are the finite. Without Jesus, we are nothing. And if we saw Jesus on his throne right now, now. We would bow down. We would fall on our faces. We need to put him in his rightful place. Lord of lords and king of kings and declare Jesus alone is Lord. That brings us to our third step to overcome the stronghold of pride. Devote. First decide. Second declare. Third devote. I will live for Jesus. We need to be devoted to humility and dead to pride. We need to heed the words of Jesus in Luke seventeen thirty-three: If you cling to your life you will lose it but if you let go of your life you will save it. Jesus lived in this manner. He behaved in such a way that we can follow his example. He didn't act like the pastors and the churches today. He would never have done the things that we're doing. Claiming the promises but not serving others. He came to earth to suffer and die. He was born in Bethlehem in the manger because he was a servant of all. He didn't claim on the head. He humbled himself to become a man. He didn't prophesy, I'm the head and not the tail. I will be exalted and never disgraced. If Jesus did what our preachers do today, he would never even have come to earth. He would never have been born in the manger. He would never have suffered and died. And we would not be saved. So many today want greatness, but they want it without the price of sacrifice. So many want to take first place, but they want to get there without sacrificing. So many want to take first by placing themselves first. But Jesus says the way up is down. The path to greatness is not through pride, arrogance, vanity, and ego. The path to greatness is yielding to the greater one, Jesus, serving others, dying to self. The path to greatness is to break the stronghold of pride and humble yourself. For James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. I invite you to humble yourself together with me right now as we bow our heads and pray. God Almighty, we confess that you are God and we are not. You are the Lord and we are your people. You are the master and we are your servants. You are the creator and we are the created ones. You are infinite and we are finite. We humble ourselves before you. We confess our pride to you and ask you to forgive us and have mercy. We've sinned in pride, arrogance, vanity, and ego. Have mercy, O Lord. Forgive us, O God. Wash us as we pledge to honor you as the Lord of our lives. We will not contend with you for supremacy. Help us follow the steps of our Master Jesus. Fill us with your love, fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we may please you as we love you and serve others. We thank you by faith, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the Senior Pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, We will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.